We'll turn in uh, God's precious word and um, uh, we want to uh, read from uh, the Gospel of Mark here, uh, chapter 9, and we'll read from verse 1 of the chapter, Mark's Gospel, chapter 9, and beginning our reading at verse 1. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there be some that stand here which shall not taste of death till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. And after six days, Jesus taketh with him Peter and James and John and leadeth them up into an high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. And his raiment became shining exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on earth can white them. And there appeared unto him Elias with Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, and one for Moses, and one for Elias. For he wist not what to say, for they were sore afraid. And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud, saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. And suddenly, when they had looked round about, they saw no man any more, save Jesus only with themselves. And as they came down from the mountain, he charged them that they should tell no man what these things had, uh, what things they had seen, till the Son of Man were risen from the dead. And they kept that saying with themselves, questioning one with another what the rising from the dead should mean. Amen. And we know that the Lord last add his blessing to the reading of his precious word. Let's unite again in a word of prayer. Our loving God and our gracious Father, we thank thee for thy precious word. We thank thee for these insights. We thank thee for our Savior and the glory of our Savior that was seen there on the Mount of Transfiguration. And we thank thee today for God's uh, wonderful provision of us of a Son, the blessed second person of the Trinity, to come and to be our Redeemer. And we'd ask thee that thou wouldst bless us as we think about our Savior today, as we think about Peter and all his failures. O oh God, we thank thee that thou dost take up even the failures, and we rejoice that when we feel we have uh, another opportunity of being those that serve thee. Come, our God, and bless thy word even to our hearts just now. For it's in Jesus' precious name I would ask these things. Amen. Amen. Now, we've started a short uh, series on the life of Peter, and we thought about Peter on the rise we thought about how he was brought by his brother Andrew to the Lord Jesus and how he began to follow Christ, became a disciple of Christ, and how that when others were going to forsake the Lord Jesus and when the Lord said to his disciples, will ye also go away? We read how Peter declared, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And then later on in Caesarea Philippi, when the Lord asked his disciples who men said that he was, 
Peter made the great declaration, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And we remember how that that reply brought tremendous commendation from the Lord. We read in verses 17 and 18 of that passage of Scripture, uh, Matthew 16, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the kings the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. And in many ways we could say that that was the very height for Peter, What a tremendous declaration that he made and what a tremendous commendation he received from the Lord Jesus Christ. And we read later how he um, has the keys of the kingdom. He's the first uh, at Pentecost to preach the uh, message of Christ, uh, the New Testament gospel. And then also he is the first to preach the message to the Gentiles. In that way, he has the keys of the kingdom. But we remember last week we were saying that straight after the great commendation by Christ immediately follows a retreat. Peter begins to make the big mistake of challenging and questioning the uh, cross, really. We, we read in verse 21 of Matthew 16, From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how he must go into Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again on the third day. And Peter says then, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And we remember the, what the Lord said, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offence unto me, for thou savest not the things that be of God, but those that be of, ne- of, of men. And Peter, uh, in calling Peter Satan, the Lord was saying that his mouth, his voice was being used by Satan. His words were satanically inspired. And the devil was using that means to get at the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thought about how um, the devil comes and subtly uses our words and puts things in our minds in order to undermine the message. And we said last time, how that it is the desire of Satan to undermine the cross. And that's what the Lord Jesus was speaking about there. He was speaking about the cross and the resurrection. And the words that Peter uses uh, simply means, Pity thyself, this shall never be unto thee. And really Peter is undermining, denying, questioning the cross. He's questioning whether the Lord Jesus has to go to the cross whether what he's come to accomplish cannot be accomplished by another means. But we think of this undermining of the message of the cross and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that starts him on a road of backsliding. We said last time that we were going to trace the steps down in Peter's retreat. And we only got one step before we had to stop last Lord's Day. And so what we want to do is to try and get to the other steps. As Peter 
takes the road of backsliding. He begins to step down. It doesn't happen all at once, but as as it were, he's taking the steps downwards in his life and in his testimony. And what I want to do today, very simply, is to trace the rest of the steps down. The first step down was to challenge the word of Christ or challenge the truth. The second step down that we're going to come to today is what we've read in this portion of Scripture is where Peter compromised the truth. Now, you'll see the context here. We've read it there on the Mount of Transfiguration. Turn to Mark chapter 9, what we read there. It says in verse 2, And after six days, Jesus taketh him, Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. So six days now had passed. The Lord Jesus had taught his disciples about his suffering and death and resurrection. And now they're on a high mountain, and Peter and James and John are with the Lord. Uh, maybe Mount Hermon, or maybe it is uh, the uh, Mount uh, that, uh, another one of the mountains there. But he's up in the high mountain, and we read, it says, And he leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his raiment then becomes white as snow, and something of the essential glory of the Lord Jesus Christ appears. And then, as they see something of the essential glory of the Lord Jesus, it says in verse 4, And there appeared unto them Elias and Moses, and they were talking with Jesus. So here now is Elias, Elijah, representative of the prophets, Moses, representative of the, of the law, and they appear with the Lord Jesus, and they're talking with the Lord Jesus. And then it says in verse 5, And Peter answered and said to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here, and let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one for Moses and one for Elias. So Peter now is wanting to honor these, um, what he says, tabernacles here. At the Feast of Tabernacles, the Jews would have made these temporary structures out of um, uh, just uh, branches of wood or out of uh, straw. They would have been just uh, temporary dwellings, but they were meant to uh, commemorate the Passover or the uh, going through the wilderness. So this was to honor what God had done in the Passover, but also as a means of remembrance. So Peter now suggests, make some of these tabernacles. One for Elijah, one for Moses, and one for the Lord Jesus. Now, for one thing, what that would have done is to slow down the Lord's going towards the cross. If they had to stop there on the Mount of Transfiguration to make three tabernacles and to dwell in them to some, for some time, it would have slowed down our Lord's journey towards the cross. That's one thing. But I want you to see what Peter really is doing here. He's, he's honoring Elijah and Moses and the Lord Jesus. And really he's putting the Lord Jesus on the same level as Moses and Elijah. Now, there's where he's compromising the truth. You'll notice what the Lord says uh, afterwards 
It says that in verse 7, And there was a cloud that overshadowed them, and a voice came out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, hear him. So God appeared, the Father, uh, the voice of God the Father comes in the midst of this. Peter said, make a tabernacle for Moses and Elijah and for the Lord Jesus. And the voice from heaven says, this is my beloved son, pointing to the Lord Jesus Christ. No mention of Moses, no mention of Elijah. This is my beloved son, hear him. He's got to have the preeminence. He's got to be the one that is set above all. It's not that we don't honor Moses and Elijah. They were great men of God. And the Bible indicates uh, the story of both of the men. And uh, we think of how they are honored in the word of God. But we do not put anything in place of the Lord Jesus Christ. Great men of God. Great things that have happened in in times gone by. Uh, We place nothing in the place of the Lord Jesus Christ. As John the Baptist said, he must increase, but I must decrease. The Lord said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. But you'll see what Peter is doing. He's taking the things of this earth, and he is putting them alongside the heavenly things. And we think of what Paul said in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, he said, Set your affections on things above, not on things of the earth, for ye are dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. And my, what a willingness there is in many of our lives. I wonder how we put things, you know, with with a good heart. And and you'll notice what it says here in verse 6. It says about Peter why he did that. He says, for he was not what to say. He says, for they were sore afraid. And there he is, and he's afraid of what he's seen. He doesn't understand that something supernatural has taken place. And you can see what he's doing. He's afraid. He doesn't know what to say, so his mouth runs away with him, and he begins to say things without thinking. And you know, in an unthinking moment, even unthinkingly, we can allow other things to enter in. We can allow other things to preeminence. And we can let earthly things take the first place in our lives. And you can see the way that Peter is really doing this unthinkingly. But he is compromising. He is really comp- compromising the position of the Lord Jesus Christ who ought to have the preeminence. Oh, I wonder today, are we giving the Lord Jesus Christ the first place in our lives? And you can see how easy it was for Peter, and you can see how easy it is for us just to let other things, when we're not thinking, when uh, maybe things have come in to jolt us and uh, to get us out of our way of thinking, we let other things in. But always we have to let the Lord Jesus Christ have the first place and the preeminence in our lives. So that's, he, quest, he uh, challenges the truth. Then we see how he compromises the truth. 
But then I want you to turn over to Mark chapter 14. And this time, I want you to see how Peter contravenes the truth. Look at verse um, 32 of this portion of Scripture. And here we have Peter, and he is uh, going to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Look at verse 32. It says, And they came to a place which were... Or no, sorry. First of all, we come to Gethsemane. And they came to a place which is called Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. Now, here is the Lord. He takes Peter and John a little further into the Garden of Gethsemane, and he saith, it says in verse 34, And he saith unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And you'll notice what happens in verse 37. And he cometh and findeth them sleeping, and saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest thou not watch with watch? Couldest not thou watch one hour? So you'll see what Peter had done now. He had ignored or contravened the truth because the Lord had come with this request. Watch with me one hour. Peter hadn't done that. Peter had ignored the truth. Peter had contravened the truth. He had uh, neglected to do what God's truth, God, the Lord Jesus Christ, had told him to do. Now, you'll notice the reasonableness of the request here. The Savior had asked him just one hour. Just ask, watch with me one hour. Uh, we think of how the Lord then went on into the garden, and you think about the agony, and he sweat great drops of blood to the ground, and he prayed earnestly before the Father, and then he comes out again. He said specifically, he said to all the disciples, but more particularly to Peter and James and John, watch with me one hour. And he comes out and he finds that they have not done what he said. And he says, what could ye not watch with me one hour? And you can almost um, see the disappointment or hear the disappointment or imagine the disappointment in his voice. What could you not even one hour watch with me? Just one hour? And that's all the Lord asked. One hour. One hour. To uh, keep awake. To stay with him. To support, support him as it were. Or, or to help him. Or, or to be with him in the place of prayer. And here were these disciples and as he agonized in the garden, and he comes out and he finds that his disciples could not even watch with him one hour. You know, the Lord comes, and that's a reasonable request. It isn't that they're going to have to labor, or they're going to have to enter into hard manual work, or that they're going to have to travel a thousand miles, or even a hundred miles, or even ten miles, just watch with me where you are, where you're sitting. Just watch with me. And he's not, he's not telling them to um, enter into the... Well, he wants them to pray with him. But, but they're not going to have to, as it were, voice the prayer. Just watch with me one hour. And they couldn't even do that. And you know, you think of how 
the Lord would want us to pray, to draw near to him, to come and just to seek him in the place of prayer. And how often it is that we feel in the place of prayer. And the Lord's just given us, we don't have to labor either. Well, we do in the sense that there are other things that he wants us to do to witness for him and so on and so forth. But in the place of prayer, in many ways, it's not a hard thing. In many ways, in other ways, it's the hardest thing in the world. But all that the Lord wants us to do is to watch with him, to draw near to him, to enter into his presence. And yet, how often we feel in that same place. Notice the personal nature of the rebuke. It was the three disciples, but the Lord picks out Peter. He saith, Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? He saith unto Peter, Simon, sleepest thou? Couldest thou not watch one hour? Why did the Lord pick out Peter? Well, Peter had professed undying loyalty. Peter had said, well, others might forsake you, but I'll never forsake you. And the Lord picks out Peter because of his profession. Oh, dear friend, does the Lord come and speak to us individually today and say, could you not watch with me one hour? Could you not spend time with me in the place of prayer? You notice the honor that the Lord had bestowed. Watch with me. Watch with me. You know, that the Lord uh, had the power. He could enter into the presence of the Lord, uh, into his, the presence of his Father. He could he had done that many times on his own. He could have done it again, and he did do it again because the disciples failed to watch with him. But the Lord was giving Peter and James and John and the other disciples a special honor. Watch with me. Watch with me. He didn't need them. But he, he wants them to be there. He wants their fellowship. And you know, the Lord doesn't need us. The Lord can do mighty things by his own power and by his strength. The Lord can turn the world upside down. The world, he, he owns the cattle in a thousand hills. He's able to do mighty things on our behalf. But he wants us to watch with him. He wants us to enter into the place of prayer and draw nigh to him. And I wonder, have we failed like Peter in that regard? He contravened the truth. And then he goes further. He contravenes the truth in another way because as they're in the Garden of Gethsemane, we find that Peter, uh, Judas, comes with the soldiers in order to betray the Lord Jesus Christ. And there is the uh, servant of the high priest there. And Peter takes the sword and cuts off the high priest's ear. In John 18 and 3, we read that they come with lanterns and torches and weapons and we think of how Peter takes the sword, and in John 18 and 10 it says, Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it, and smote the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. And then it says in verse 11, Then said Jesus unto Peter, Put up thy sword into the sheath. 
the cup which my father had given me, shall I not drink it? And Peter is thinking about taking the kingdom of God by force. He uh, is going to uh, use force. He's going to prevent what is going to take place uh, by using the sword. You know, the sword, force, in God's works, not ever going to, uh, is not ever going to work. We think of how Martin Luther urged his followers not to take up the sword. Unfortunately, some of them did, and it led to uh, 100 years of war or 30 years of war, and it, it scarred Europe because of that. But the kingdom of heaven is not advanced by force. Islam is advanced by force. That's how they have taken territory. That's how they have gone about it. They have slain people. But the kingdom of heaven is not taken by force. It is by the change of heart. It is by the spiritual uh, work that takes place in the heart. And we think of how Peter here again is uh, going in the flesh. He's going in the power of the flesh. But the kingdom of heaven is not a fleshly thing. And you know, we can go in the power of the flesh. We can do God's work in the flesh. But we always have to remember that it's a spiritual thing. We've got to watch with the Lord. We've got to bring our needs to the place of God in prayer. The Sunday school, the children's meeting, the junior youth, the youth fellowship, it needs to be bathed in prayer. Certainly, the services here need to be bathed in prayer. I, as God serves, I have to seek the Lord in the place of prayer. It can't advance unless we go in a spiritual way. It's not going to uh, cut the mustard in the flesh. There are so many places, and they want to advance the work of God in the flesh. But it doesn't work. This is a spiritual work. And Peter, then, is contravening the truth by thinking that he can do God's work in the flesh. But one more thing I want you to see, and that is where Peter cast off the truth. He denies the truth. Turn with me to John chapter 18 or Luke chapter 22. They're both um, portions of Scripture. We'll turn to Luke chapter 22. Uh, if you look in Luke chapter 22, you'll get the um, account of um, Peter's denial of the Lord Jesus. The Lord is taken now from Gethsemane. He's taken into the high priest's palace. He endures a sham trial there, and the guilty verdict is put upon him, the death sentence, and then he's sent to uh, Pilate. But you remember how Peter and John follow up far off, and you think of the path to denial here, how the John had um, it was known by the uh, girl that was watching at the door, and he's able to get both Peter and himself into the place where the trial is taking place. And in many ways, John uh, facilitates, as it were, in many ways, the denial, what takes place afterwards. But you think of how they uh, follow afar off. And Peter, at this time, he is following. The other disciples have forsaken the Lord Jesus, and they have fled. Peter is still following and he comes into this place where there are others around about, and he brings himself into the place of danger. And you know, sometimes we can get ourselves into a place of danger. We, we can get ourselves into a company that's not right. 
We can get ourselves into circumstances where the pressure is on us. And we should always avoid those situations if we possibly can at all. Sometimes we can't help but get ourselves, we find ourselves in situations like that. But Peter actually got himself into this situation. He followed into the place of danger. And you know, um, J.C. Ryle's analysis of this is helpful. He said, one does not deny Jesus for no reason. No, there is a process that leads to denial. First, proud self-confidence. Second, indolent neglect of prayer, which he had done in Gethsemane. And third, vacillating indecision. Where we don't kneel our colors to the mast. Where we don't say, I am the Lord's. When we get into that situation, we are in great danger. And you can see, first of all, there is the self-confidence where he speaks without thinking. And then there is this uh, indolent neglect of prayer. And when you stop praying, that's a danger signal. And then there is this indecision where, oh, I don't need to nail my colors to the mast. But look at the particulars of the denial. And you'll notice, first of all, the Lord had said to Peter, he said before the cock crow twice, you'll deny me thrice. And the first denial is a denial of association. Peter sits at the fire in the courtyard, and we read in Luke 22 and 54 that he's approached by a woman. John 18 tells us that it was the same woman that kept the door, she comes up to Peter and she identifies him as one of the disciples. And you can imagine that she just didn't walk up to Peter and whisper that. She's saying this openly, maybe very loudly, because she is warning others that this is one of the Lord's disciples. And Peter, without hardly thinking, immediately denies his connection with the Lord Jesus Christ. He's really saying, what, you're crazy. No, I'm not one of them. And as soon as Peter makes his first denial, there's the sound of the rooster crowing. That ought to have alerted him. But Peter's not listening for the rooster. He's thinking about the danger that he's in. And you know, the point is about Peter here. He... Um, has got himself into this place of danger. He's got himself in among the wrong crowd. And in the wrong crowd, it's very easy to deny our association with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then, not only is there the denial of association, but there's the denial of discipleship. Peter's attempt to divert attention fails and there's another girl, and she yells, Thou also was with Jesus of Galilee. And Peter denies the second time. And this time, the Bible says that he denied with an oath. That means that Peter swore before God that he did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, he, um, he denied with vehemence that he knew the Lord Jesus Christ. And here is a man 
who said, I will stand by the Lord Jesus Christ. I will not fail. But here he is in the midst of all of this, and he's denying his discipleship. And I wonder if there have been times when he have done the same. We have said, no, I am not a follower of Christ. We have kept our mouth shut when we should have said something, when there was that opportunity to witness to the Lord Jesus Christ. We have really kept quiet in the midst of the uh, attack upon the Lord Jesus Christ, perhaps. We have kept quiet, and there's been a denial of our discipleship. But the third denial was a denial of speech. They recognized the speech or the uh, dialect of Peter, and they said that he was a Galilean. And this time it says, Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. But then it says in Matthew 26 and 74, Then began he to curse and to swear, saying, I know not the man. And immediately the crock crew. Now, this doesn't mean that he's using vile or vulgar language or that he even is using uh, slang words. What Peter is doing here is worse than bad language. What Peter did here was that he takes the name of the Lord in vain. And he swears, taking the name of the Lord in vain, that he did not know the Lord Jesus Christ. So you can see that he's been sucked in by the crowd, by the atmosphere, by those that he surrounded himself with. And you know, it is so very important that we make sure that we do not get ourselves into places or into company where it is going to be pressure put upon us to succumb. Because Peter had, Peter had said, I will never deny you. I will always stand by you. And he tried to do that. That's the reason why he'd followed the Lord. He'd followed the Lord into that place, into the high priest's palace. And he was doing that because he had said he would never deny the Lord. He was never going to forsake the Lord. And yet here he was in all of his self-confidence into that place. And the very first thing he does when he's under pressure is that he denies and then he denies with an oath, and then he denies with a blasphemy. And the Bible says, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. You know, when we look at Peter, every one of these steps down is to do with the truth, it's to do with the word of God. First of all, he questions the truth, and then he contradicts the truth. And then he, or he compromises the truth, and then he, contradict, or he contradicts the truth. He, um, den- he ignores the truth. And the next thing is, he's denying the truth. And you can see how that the steps down are so very clear. When you go on the path of backsliding, it starts with Peter, he's He's, he's saying, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And then, out of concern for the Lord Jesus, he say, he's denying the cross. And the next thing is, because he's frightened, he's saying, he, he lets his mouth run away with him, and he puts other people on the same level as the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you might think that those are small things. And yet, how very easy it is 
to go on the path downward. Oh, we need to serve the Lord with all of our hearts and souls. We need to serve the Lord with all of our strength. Peter is on the retreat, and our hearts and our lives can be in the retreat so very easily. And Peter stands here as a red warning sign. He stands here as something that God has set in his word, this great man, Peter. And yet he fails and he falls. And if he can fail and fall, so can we. And how much more do we fail and fall? But dear friend, even though he fails and falls, we're going to see that God is able to take him up and use him. But that doesn't make an excuse for his failures. And we need to be on the guard today because the failures come in so very easily. It starts with the thought of Satan coming into his mind. And we think of how he acts like Satan. He uses the words of Satan. And Satan fires in the fiery darts. And it's so very easy to go go on the wrong road and in the wrong direction. May God help us to stand for him in this day. And may we stand with a full heart and in full assurance of faith. May God write his word upon our hearts for his name's sake. Let's just close in a word of prayer. Our time has gone over. And let's just seek the Lord. And as we come today, may we see how easy it was for Peter to wander away. So very easy for us to do the same. And oh, that God will give us steadfast hearts to stay in the right place, even in these days. Our loving God and our gracious Father in heaven, we thank thee for thy precious word to our hearts today. We think of the warning of Peter and how he wandered away. And Lord, he did it in many ways out of good motives in many ways, was to safeguard thee. And Lord, at times he didn't know what he was doing. And he followed on and got himself into the wrong company. O God, we see how very easy it is to fall. Help us, Lord, to be strengthened today. Cleanse us afresh in thine own precious blood. And Lord, make us instant in season and out of season for the Lord Jesus Christ. Part us in thy fear and with thy blessing now. Take us to our homes in safety and be with us throughout this day. For Jesus' sake, amen.